Welcome to the B-Side Boys Podcast. Who do you think you are? I am. An Iowa rugby podcast. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. With your host, Mr. Gray. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> and Billy V. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds. And now featuring Gimli. Really? <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Introducing our international rugby correspondent, Eric Nichols. This is the adult tour, which means you can drink if you want, and we can say whatever the hell we want. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there I was in the Wombat Den for another episode of the B-Side Boys podcast. Uh, we got Philly V. Yeah. Eric Nichols. <laughs> Hello. And Gimli. Hey, y'all. Yeah. Uh, Is anybody hung over? No. Nope. Surprisingly. Wow. Actually, no, it's not surprising. It's later in the week, so. <laughs> right. Well, they don't know that. That's true. Well, also, too, you know, sorry for the delay, but... Oh. Yeah, I was violently hungover on Sunday, and I, when I was driving back from Dubuque, and I, and I, you know, I just was like, "Do we power through?" And I just had to make the phone call and the the message. I was like, "Guys, I just, I just can't do it. Didn't have it in me." And Phil, I know you've powered through, and you're a better man than me. <laughs> yeah, but I was willing to accept that because I might have partied a little bit hard after casino casino night so oh yeah how was casino night i lost money but other people won money so good for them yeah the wombats hosted a little yeah. social gathering at prairie meadows and yeah it was fun yeah good. and brandy and lee were there so that nice. was cool to see them and they they, are, they own pally's yep. our bar that we go to for the wombats so yeah it all fun. all works out that's fun yeah nice i had a feeling you were going to cancel the episode when you called me two times several hours apart and told me the same story <laughs> on Sunday morning. <laughs> and the second time when you're like, yeah, I know, you you told me this morning. I was like, whoa, I called you, and also that was the same day? Like, it's ringing a bell, but this none of this makes sense. True. <laughs> but, Trigger warning, first swear, because you said, oh, my God, we already talked. But when you said it on the phone, it sounded like you said, oh, we fucked this morning. <laughs> and I laughed about it the whole day. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, no, my uh, my brother-in-law, my wife's little brother got married. And, yeah, Dubuque, it always gets the best of me. <laughs> it was Dubuque for you, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was Dubuque in the hotel bed. Oh, On your wife? Well, no, in oh, the nice, other, nice. the second one. Oh. Because you get twins. two of them. Yeah, the crumb yeah, bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The one you get crumbs and pee in, the other one you sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this rule before. Uh, That's why they give you two, right? Yeah. Yes. I got Ben Villem. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. Ben Villem and Matt said when we were at Nugent's wedding that they always get two beds. The first bed, I won't mention what they mentioned is four. 
But the second bed they call the crumb bed so that they can eat in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Crumb bed. Smart. I mean, that never works on a rugby road trip because all the times we would ever get a hotel being like a college kid or even like. Poor college kid. Or even a poor adult. adult, And it's like, hey, we got to go to Chicago. All right, cool. So you think we should get one or two rooms for 24 guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two's good. Do one year. Wayne State. (laughs) Yeah, Wayne yeah. State. I was also thinking when uh, Cottage Grove hosted that like <laughs> Final Four or whatever for playoffs, and when one of the rooms it was me, Keegan, and Richard Heveron. So you had a full the whole front, front row. row. <laughs> and I was like, God, this is way too crowded. I know we had like two more people in there, but we were like packing each room mm-hmm. with a ton of people. Were you guys at the UNI trip when we went to a bar? It was like Midwest Final Four or something, and we saw the guy in like the Rey Mysterio mask at a bar. Like Alakana and Tyler Nugent, it was like that era. It was in. I was uh, there, but I don't think I was at the. When bar. we got Taco Bell and we bought like a hundred dollars worth of Taco Bell. Was it Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember there. any specifics, but <laughs> that hotel. I think that you were like waiting for someone to finish dress that. Like, I, I remember I, it was a good story. But I think I that hotel was before my, my you guys era. came back. <laughs> I think that hotel that we actually had keys, like not key cards. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's how you know it's a real fine establishment. <laughs> In 2011 or whatever year it was, 2010 probably. Oh man! And yeah. speaking of you and I, they the current squad. Yeah. They had a fantastic weekend. Amazing. They were down in St. Louis for nationals, the round of 16. They had to win to go to the round of eight on Friday. Yeah. Yep. So the first match was on Friday. The second match was on Sunday. Phil, fill us in. Yeah. So I got an opportunity to watch uh, both matches. Um, watching that VO was interesting. I know some people had issues with it. Other That's people didn't. It. Yeah, some I, words I read were terrible. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, I I didn't have a problem the first day watching it. So, like, when I got a chance to watch you and I play St. Louis, it was actually fairly clear. And I could hear, like, Zeus and uh, Joe Randall yelling. You can like, hear Zeus. Yeah, you the, can like, hear clear Zeus. as day. Yep. It's like, this is actually pretty cool. Um, <laughs> But, man, that match for you and I, like, it was just stereotypical. Against St. Entire- Louis? Yeah, against St. Louis. Right. Gateway champion. Yep. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Greg. So, yeah, they played St. Louis first round of 16. And, you know, again, stereotypical, like, match for you and I. They ended up winning 78-5. Uh, to five, And, like, God, just watching them play, like, how they can move the ball just back and forth, you and I, just mm. so smooth. Pods just looked great. Like, every time there was a scrum, dude, it literally looked like St. Louis is on skates mm. the whole time. Just driving them back. Like, you and I always said, like, I mean, like, over the past few years, you know, they've had, like, you know. Very, An undersized pack. undersized pack. Like very yeah, they're, athletic. They're very athletic, just a little bit smaller. But then since they got, like, um, Tyler uh, Klenderman, TK, like, TK, yeah. a couple of those big boys. like Jacob you know, Jake Muller, Muller from Valley. Yeah, since they've gotten those guys and stuff, too, like, holy Jesus. Like, just... Mm plowing through everybody and you still have the speed like on the outside and then you know i really think from what i saw having this high school sevens league we have pack players who can play like centers yeah we have pack players who are strong like a type five player but they can tackle like a flanker and they can run like a center and they can make decisions like a halfback like i mean they they, kick for good field position mm -hmm. too like they have guys that can kick which is like i mean i remember when we played that was kind of rare to have somebody who could actually put that ball on the dot in a yeah. certain spot. Yeah, and know when to do so, too. Yeah. yeah. And, like, obviously, like, you know, they, they gave up once – they gave up one single try, and it was also early. But then pretty much for the rest of the game, they just kind of pitched a shutout. Yeah. Like, at first it was, like, 
something like 21.5. And I'm like, huh, like, okay. And then all of a sudden you and I just started running away with it. Yeah, you were giving us updates in the chat. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ooh, that's pretty close. And then didn't hear from you. I was like, yeah, they got 70. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, just like, just out of nowhere, just boom, 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 boom. I'm like, okay, that's, that's normal. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. then so they win that game. On the other side of the bracket, Montana State played against – it was another great Midwest opponent, uh, uh, Loyola. Loyola, yeah. And so Montana State beats Loyola thirty-four to ten. And then Nichols, you got some insight on you know what that Montana State team looked like before the UNI match because you know Montana State they're out there. I, I was reading an article and I saw the video by Goff Rugby, and he was all like, you know, hey, it's hard to rank teams when there's very little crossover between conferences. And this Montana State team is out west, and we have no idea how they match up. Uh, and he was suggesting, like, there needs to be more non-conference plays so I can make rankings better. And it's like, what D2 team, he was suggesting people go out to Denver to play Montana State in a friendly. And it's like, who's doing that yeah, in the first week right. in September? <laughs> yeah. Like, last week of August, first week of September, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go do a friendly. Like, right. Uh, like, your D2, like, conference play is what you're doing, and then you'll see him in the playoffs. But you talked to Coach Joe Randall. Uh, what did he see from Montana State going into that match? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, I just text Joe. I played with him. I've known him for a long time and congratulated him. And, you know, just asked. He's also like a, a hero of the podcast, Phil, and I, we always talk very highly of Joe. We we'll look get, up to him. We'll get him I on. do look up to him. <laughs> Does he listen? Is he a fan? I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. We'll but like out. sometimes I'll I'll text him stuff and yeah, I really I really respect his opinion on things. Not Good to mention man. he's a hunk. I am. Yeah. But anyway, he's, a hunk. he's sexy. I, I just <laughs> text him, you know, congrats. Uh, I mostly want to know what time they played Sunday, and I just said, "How's it look?" And it's just funny to hear because I know Joe pretty well. Him saying we're gonna have to play a lot better Sunday than we played today. After day, what was the final score? Seventy nine to five. Seventy eight to five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, really? That's like the t- typical score they've been putting up all year, though. So it's like, right? So how can it get better? <laughs> he's, I think he's kind of a stickler for getting everything perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, little nuanced things really kind of annoy him in their prep because of all the preparation they do and. He didn't. He just told me that Montana State would be much more of a battle than their first game, mm-hmm. St. Louis. So. And it was, for sure. You know yeah. that match was definitely a lot closer. And I mean, if you got a chance to watch, like I was having issues with the VO, so it was like some of it was kind of green and stuff. But I know that there was a. You and I did commit a yellow card, but and played down a man for a little while, but Last, still obviously. like eight minutes of yeah. the first half. Yeah, mm-hmm. but still, like you know, obviously held their own. I mean, they gave up a few more tries. Defense was kind of at you the know, end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but like that's you know. It happens, obviously. And you're moving through a better the tournament. Yeah, yeah, you're playing yeah. a team that's in the Elite Eight, so they're going to be better. And that, like, obviously, they're, they're I don't want to necessarily say they're toughest matchup, but it's like, it's the mo- the toughest matchup they've probably seen all year. Right. And they still put up one, and, two and points they, on them. And for a team that was bigger, from what I watched, the team that was, you know, maybe a little bigger pack wise, a yeah. little. little they, not not they, putting them on skates quite as much. No, but but they didn't they didn't get on skates either. You know mm-hmm. they didn't get blown over. They held their own. They were faster to rucks. And like one thing I noticed, like you said, you know you and I is obviously very athletic this year, very fast. They move the ball so quickly. Oh, like yeah, those, yeah. the whole team runs hands and gets the ball out so quickly. It's ridiculous. And I don't think Montana could keep up with them. Like you said, mm-hmm. even when they were down a man towards the end of the first half. It didn't feel like they were down a man. They threatened and scored. They scored during mm. that. Wow! It seemed know? pretty. It was it was pretty common that you and I 
broke the first line of defense. That yeah. Mm. First runner is gaining ground, and then you're looking past that first wave of defense. It seemed like a pretty normal occurrence for you and I. Mm-hmm. And when you see some of the highlight videos that you and I has put out before, because they have like a great team of people who take photos and take videos for them, it looks like, again, the high school sevens league really has an impact because they're going into contact, and they're breaking through that first line, and they're looking to offload that that ball. Like, you know, our old coach Rick Hall would say, you know, a bucket pass, not a fuck it pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, they, these guys would know how to position their body, and they're looking to play running rugby. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they know when to go down. They know when to set a ruck. Like, they know when to be conservative, but also, like, when they break that line, they're looking to keep it going. And, like, they're not scared. There's a lot of guys who break line and they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go down or I'm going to slow down. Like, they know how to read that. Um, and going back to, you know, that was the toughest D2 team they've seen. Mm-hmm. One thing a lot of people have been talking about that they think has really prepared this UNI team for a solid run in Nationals is they did that preseason tournament. Yep, yep. So that was one tournament they did where they saw Kansas, a D1 team. Colorado State, State yep. uh, who's a D1 team. That's um, uh, Eric Masterson's son plays for Colorado mm. State. Yeah. yeah, and they are a solid team. And I remember Joe Lippert was saying, like, he thought Colorado State was going to blow you and I out of the water. You and I held their own. They didn't win that match, but I think they only lost by two tries. Yeah, yeah. I think they're right in it. And yeah. then they beat Oklahoma, which, mm. again, thinking of, like, which is great because I fucking hate the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what, Nebraska fan. What's awesome is like you <laughs> think of like you and I football. I know it's how tough would, life. How would you and I football do against you know Kansas, Colorado State, and Oklahoma? You wouldn't expect them to go toe to toe, and that's kind of how I always think of these things too. Like Holly for Oakmanesters, there they do good in basketball, but that's yeah. yeah other than that, I mean, take that Kansas. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. being at the OP for that. I was um, there. <laughs> At the OP? Well, I was at the music station working, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was alive at UNI. Yeah, but like that right there, like they played those matches. It didn't hurt them in any rankings. It didn't hurt them for playoffs or anything because it wasn't D2. But I think that's why we saw them play as if they were bigger than what they were. Mm-hmm. They're getting to the rucks faster because they set the bar so high so early. Yeah. And I think throughout no the season. No cookie-cutter cupcake schedule. Yeah. yeah. And like you said with Joe Randall, as coach, he wants – them to play at that level all year long mm-hmm. so it wasn't like this imaginary bar where it's like oh we got we know what we want to be well they already saw that in the preseason tournament you know and mm-hmm. i think that really helps them so uh phil when are the next round of nationals and yep. i think as the b-side boys the wombats in west des moines we are going to have a watch party mm-hmm. we will make it happen at pally's yeah i'm guaranteeing that now i'll probably make an event on facebook tomorrow uh final four is going to be december 9th it's hosted in houston it's typically hosted in houston every year at the saber cats saber cats yep um and as it stands it's going to be iup versus vermont and then on our side of the bracket it's going to be memphis versus you and i i think you're going to you know stand corrected for what you said like last week is that it iup versus you and i yeah, for sure. So Memphis defeated University of Wisconsin Whitewater forty-seven nineteen mm-hmm. in the first round, and then they upset Georgetown. I that thought was George- surprising. I thought they were going to see Georgetown. I honestly thought, mm-hmm. depending on how the bracket shaped up, it was going to be Norwich versus IUP, but they ended up getting each other early in the Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah. And then Norwich ended up losing, which I thought maybe they were going to yep. upset IUP, but and IUP has some great talent. I've read that. IUP, you know, Indiana, that's where they're from. Indiana has a great high school structure. And 
a lot of guys who don't make it to Indiana University, they go to IUP. And then there's even some guys who have some brothers and some friends that they have the talent to go to Indiana, but they're choosing to go to IUP. Mm-hmm. And they like the culture at IUP. Indiana's a great program. They're ranked D1. I think they're in nationals as well right now. They've always been a solid team. But IUP is like taking the guys who couldn't make the top 15 for Indiana. They're going to IUP. We saw them win nationals for sevens last year in D2 because they beat you and I to win sevens nationals or knocked them out in the final four there so you and i is very familiar with this iup team uh they're a, a very physical very fast team very similar to you and i high school talent um yeah what's it, what's it stand for indiana underpants indiana mm-hmm. underpants pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> or it's indiana university in pennsylvania so it's they're in pennsylvania but they're called indiana it's university. like miami ohio yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so very, very interesting. But, yeah, I think IUP gets through. And then you and I is going to have a very tough match against Memphis. And uh, speculation here, have you guys seen the inner city Memphis rugby club, the high school program? Mm -hmm. Joe Lippert is part of or something, yeah. Yep. I think that Memphis inner city rugby club is kind of helping Memphis rugby you know, yeah. do some really cool things because I'm pretty sure they have some guys who've graduated from that program, have gone on to Memphis, and just Memphis is becoming a, a college rugby town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's becoming a high school rugby town. So I think they're going to see a really tough match, but I also think you and I gets through, and I, I think it's going to be you and I versus IUP in the final. Oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. And one more thing, too, uh, there's going to be a couple weeks, and obviously with like all these teams that are in D2 or club teams, you know, this is not a varsity program. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, a lot of the funding comes from like whatever money they like typically can raise and stuff, or like maybe the little bit of assistance they get from the school. And obviously you and I is going to be doing a GoFundMe. It's out, out currently um, trying to raise money so they can afford travel and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So a lot of kids don't have to be forking a bunch of money out of their own pockets. Cause again, they're poor college students. So we'll share the link. So we'll share yeah. the link. And, yeah, and if you, you know, have spare change or if you want to like sponsor or anything for it, you know, definitely they'll accept anything really you know get your crusty money out (laughs) (laughs) reach into those couch cushions you know i'll take whatever oh yeah and like you said too this is the first time that a varsity program hasn't been in d2 running the table yeah this is like the first time and uh someone did an article and wrote about how basically out of all the national champions of d2 rugby like only Whitewater and a couple of other schools have ever won a D2 Duluth title too, yeah. in Duluth yep. who are still in D2. Everyone else has used D2 to jump up to like varsity or move right. up mm-hmm. the ranks. So like this is like the first time ever it's been a true blue D2 championship. So yeah, which is really cool. Awesome so. to see. Um, also speaking of championships. Speaking of juggernauts, the women, I mean, it's the first time we've seen the men in this, but the women quite often at UNI get down to the final four. Mm-hmm. Women's rugby's really growing in Iowa. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a festival tournament for senior side women. Mm-hmm. And the head coach, Jeff McHenry, mm-hmm. is actually going to join us here shortly. What? Yeah. Who could have wow. set that up? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Nichols, I think, you know what? How about how about you take point on this one? I'll give him a call. Hey, let's, a good man. Yeah, let's do it. This interview is brought to you by Tighthead Brewing Company. 
Tighthead Brewing Company is a craft brewery located in Mundelein, a suburb of Chicago. Their brew pub is a neighborhood institution where friends and families can meet up and enjoy great music, wonderful company, and the best beer in town. Since they opened their doors in 2011, they've poured their heart and soul into every glass. Stop in and taste what they're talking about. Also, if you are not from Chicago, make sure you go to your local grocery store, liquor store, restaurant, bar, pub, whatever. Ask the bartender, ask the owner, ask whoever runs the place for Tight Head Brewing Company beer. They distribute through Dahl Distributing. You can drink it in Iowa. It is found in Iowa. And oh yeah, the name Tight Head. Bruce played rugby for 13 years, mostly as a Tight Head prop. Bruce is the owner, founder, and master brewer. Enjoy Tight Head Brewing Company. All right, so we got Jeff McHenry on the line, Des Moines legend, guy I know for a long time. Jeff, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So kind of just taking this time of year to reach out to some legends of the game, some Iowa legends, and see uh, kind of where you came from and how the sport of rugby found you. So why don't you give us your uh, your tale? Yeah, sure. So um, I started up in Mason City playing for River City back in 1997. Jeez, you're uh, old. I was I was just out of high school and just found it found the, the team through my sister or whatever and started playing with them. Um, and then uh, another legend, John Jungling, mm. played there and moved down to Des Moines here and got me to come play here. So I've been here for. I don't know, almost 20 years now, but I played with Des Moines for pretty competitive for the 2000s and um, made the Thunderbird team in the 2005 was my my pinnacle year, I guess. Right on. And did and, you uh, did you always play nine? Was that your position of choice? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, towards the end, you know, I would play fly half a little bit, but I've always been a scrum half since they started. I mean, uh, Mason City, my first game was at Hooker. Uh, just for you know necessity, and then I was a scrum half from then on. So, right on. Hookers are the best looking players on the team, so you know. That's true. And, and <laughs> my first my first match uh, was in Algona, playing against the old Gopher College. College. Yeah. Good, were yeah. they massive back then, like they were when we played? Yeah, definitely huge farm boys, all of them mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> right on. So yeah. when 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 you played in Des Moines. Were you always, or in Mason City too, did you always find yourself as just a player? Because I seem to remember being an annoying high school kid around that you just always kind of had a knack for teaching the game, I thought. Um, were you were you ever in a coaching role when you played, or were you just a put-your-head-down-and-play kind of guy? Um, well, I mean, I always, I, I guess I always like to think I know more than I do, and I like to share it. Um, an old boy gave me a good advice once. It was when someone passes you a rugby ball, you pump some air in it and you pass it along. So I kind of always took that to heart. Just, wow. you know, I mean, just, I, I had a bunch of, I, I got involved at a time when I knew the old boys in river city and really cherished that, you know? And so I guess I always kind of had that, that idea that one day I'll be an old boy and I could pass on my knowledge. So I guess in the back of my mind, it was always, I've always been a coach, I guess at heart a little bit. So that's a great saying. I've not heard that. I was gonna I was gonna wait till a little further in the interview to gas you up, but I think you just opened the door pretty well. Um, so when Brendan and I played high school, this would have been like oh six for Paul Damji. I remember all of us. We I 
correct me if I'm wrong, if you remember, but we would practice and then like our practice would get over and there'd be like a half hour window and then your guys' practice would start. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So you would be there early warming up, doing your own work as the studious, diligent worker that you are. And we would just pepper you with questions and run drills with you. And it really meant a lot. And it's something I've never really had a good opportunity to tell you, but I don't, I don't know if the love of rugby that a lot of us have sticks if you don't do that. So I've always just wanted to have an opportunity to thank you. And you were always there with a little nugget of knowledge or like some kind of creepy older brother, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, you're an upstanding guy, as we all know, and and that's a, that's a high praise from you. But I mean, I think we all have, hopefully have those times when we can, either give that piece of knowledge to somebody or someone gives that to us, you know, and I think that's what kind of um, bonds us together and, and makes a lot of those special things. You know, I've had, I've had a couple of their interactions with other players too, where, you know, there's just those little points in time when you always remember them, you know? And so, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. It was the first time, uh, one of the first times I remember as a player, talking to someone and saying, I remember specifically you saying like, okay, look, so what I want to be able to do is throw a flat ball 20 meters. And I just remember never thinking about the game quite like that. It was always like, get the ball, pass it. Hopefully I can tackle this guy, but to kind of look at the game, you know, a little bit more structured with your abilities like that was something that I really took, you know, really helped me throughout my career. So. Well, good, good. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) So you played for Des Moines, had a great career, and then did you go right into refing, or did you go into coaching, or where's the timeline go from there? Refing first, I kind of phased out. I remember um, John John Jung and I. So when I moved to Des Moines, I moved in with him at the apartments right by the the complex. So what a we, stud we athlete! When I was there early, he was there because I lived there and it was my backyard. What an so athlete like, that guy was, huh? Time. Jeez. Um, but we, it, was, it was more of a transition. Like I didn't just quit playing and start refing. You know, there was kind of that kind of gradual transition. My my first refing experience was a, a believe it or not, like a huge high school girls 15s tournament in Des Moines. Oh wow! Um, like they had, a, they had the girls team. Phil Kayser was in charge of that, and it was just a oh yeah a huge tournament. So that was like my first referee thing, and then. I guess I don't even really remember how or why I just fully transitioned to refing. It just kind of happened, I guess, you know, and, um, but there wasn't like a conscious decision like, Hey, today I'm a player and tomorrow I'm a referee, you know, it just kind of, kind of happened. Was it a tough transition? Cause I got, I got certified as a referee my freshman year at UNI. And I think back then it was like, they wanted every team had to have a certified referee. So I just volunteered as a freshman to try to, make myself useful um i lost my train of thought <laughs> but with the transition though i mean i, I don't know <laughs> i don't you. think it was too hard <laughs> um just the, the way i was taught to play too was like the scrum half is a little general in the field you know so it just kind of i think it kind of naturally played into refing just kind of not just watching out for yourself but as as the you know directing your forwards or your backs or trying to make decisions and so i think it was kind of an easy transition um and i think it helped a lot too that i knew quite a bit of people you know so like i think one challenge new referees have is if you don't know a lot of people from other teams right you go out there and you're all by yourself out on an island and so 
you know, knowing people and having played with them in the past and, and everything, it wasn't, it was kind of a, it wasn't too hard. I don't think like I was, I don't remember being a, a difficult thing, I guess, but. Hey Jeff, this I'm, is Ryan Gray from the B-Side Boys. I got a question <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you. Yeah. going to jump in here. Um, so you've had all these roles, player, referee, coach, and you've, you've been a part of the game for a couple of decades in Iowa. How has the game changed, in your opinion, from when you started to now? What are some some positives you've seen? And, like, what keeps you coming back? I think that's something, like, <clears throat> as we're getting into the offseason here, we're, we're doing a lot of brainstorming of, like, how do we get people involved in the game? How do we bring back old boys who can, like, coach, referee? How do we get people to stay connected to the game? What keeps you coming back year after year? Uh, well, I think um, being a lifelong uh, rugby learner, you know, I, you, you the game has changed a lot. You know, when I first started playing, there was still kind of the old, the old school where it was, you know, hands in the ruck meant you got your hands stepped on by somebody, and you know, we were running Zulus after games and stuff. And so, <laughs> I think I think they've done a lot to make it safer. I think um, just kind of cleaning up the rucks, and I think they do a lot with like the good tackling and stuff. So in that way, but I think. I think the skills have gotten better and I, and I don't know if that's, I, I mean, I know it is attributed to like some of the, the high school. I mean, some of the skills that I see today are just like, are pretty good. Like we've got a lot of skillful players mm-hmm. and it's not just ram it down the mouth as much as people like to think. I don't, I don't think like, I think it's transitioning to more of that, you know, professional backline style with mm-hmm. people coming out the back doors and whatnot. But, and um, you're seeing but, more club but, teams with an actual game plan instead of just, we're big, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Definitely, exactly. And I, you guys, you guys have touched on that before, you know. And oh yeah, and but I think as an, and just I think, just seeing when and you know when new people come on, like seeing new people get excited about rugby and and that rejuvenates you, you know, like it's not just you know it's it's that new life that comes. I think keeps coming back and mm-hmm. learning new things and and speaking of new life too, you know the Des Moines women's program. It's had some ups and downs, and it's it's you know one of those things where there's not as many women's clubs in the Midwest. So when you're trying to set up matches, I mean you got to travel far. And this past year, it was announced you and Nate Philby became the coaches for the Des Moines women's team. You know how has that been this year um, for you? This new you know adventure for you, and you know like you said, passing on that knowledge to a new group of people, and also you know. Right now, women's rugby in Iowa is really strong with the high school league. You have three of the top programs in the country at the D1 level are in Iowa. You know, how is all of that funneling up to the senior side? Um, well, to be honest, I, I'm not sure that we have a lot of players on the women's team that have funneled through the high school teams just yet. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to Nate Philby. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, he's he puts in a lot of time off the field, outside of practice. I'm not able to travel to games. You know, I'm married with three kids, and so when they we came with the, me to be a coach, it was kind of like, yeah, I can coach, but I can't really go to the games, which makes it difficult. So having Philby there to like be at the games and do all the stuff he does is like, he's a he's a valuable part of the team. You know. Um, but they're such a good group of women and they have such a good leadership team. Um, 
it was just it was a pleasure to be around him you know just even though i was just there during the weekdays um you know it was I, it was fun being part of that team atmosphere again you kind of miss that as a referee you know there's you miss having your teammates and seeing them at practice and stuff so oh, yeah. um what ideas do you have to keep you know that growth going because it looked like you know des moines made a lot of strides this year of getting more girls involved getting more girls at practice and at games uh, it looked like there was a good amount of women who went to that final match in Lamont, Illinois. You know, what are some plans to continue this sus- sustained growth and success? Um, well, I mean, I'm going to have to pass the ball to the leadership team over there. You know, they, they're the they're the brains behind the whole madness. You know, they had the like a girls camp towards the end of the season. And I know that was a, a, a pretty good success, but I think they have plans to do that. Uh, in the future, kind of maybe at a better time where we can. Oh, with the high school girls. Yeah, that was so awesome. I think they're they're trying to reach out and make that connection where they they're trying to let them know that just if you don't go to school or whatnot, you still have a place to come play rugby. And I think, you know, it sounds like that door's been opened, and some of the girls, uh, at least from Lincoln, which I know we've had the coaches are are there, so they've got a good influence. But so I think there's a couple high school girls, but really I think it just it comes down to what you know the the Des Moines women leadership team want to do. They have they have they're way smarter than me so i'm just kind of riding their coattails you know and pitching in when i can so hey jeff brendan gimley here hey hey brendan how are you doing how are you how are you i'm good good to talk to you that that felt wrong to talk to you brendan i know he's known brendan he's known me since before i was gimley i almost saw brendan die one day well, I, you know, I told Ryan Gray this. Uh, I think I think about it often. When you ever hear on here, I'm like, I almost saw him die. I, I I wouldn't be alive if Tell it wasn't for Jeff McHenry. How oh, close I didn't was do it. it. No, I didn't do anything. It was just God. God stepped in and said, "Not today." He's got to be on the B side, boys, in 20 years. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was uh, my brother swinging an axe while you were helping us take out bushes for my parents' house. Oh my yep. god! Yep. Oh. And I almost walked into it. It, it would have been bad. It would have been really bad. It would have been real bad. Anyway. I almost shit my pants. when I didn't even notice, and you're just like, oh, my God, you almost died. Uh, wow. I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad I he didn't I am, too. Die. No, it worked out well. Um, trying to backtrack a little bit. So you've had, you know, you are being pretty humble. I feel like, you know, there's a reason they called you to be this coach. You know, you have a lot of, like you said, you have a lot of good knowledge to give. Um and your coaching journey kind of started, like Nichols was saying, when we were in high school. We remember you and a couple other guys on the team and old boys were definitely super helpful with us and asked, answered questions and let us come to practices and, you know, let us play in some B-side games and stuff illegally, you know, back in the day. Uh, I remember being 16 and playing in a B-side game. My dad told me, if you ever do that again. Uh. Right. And other <laughs> things that you're right. Things have changed since then too, right? I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but so you kind of started your coaching career for real. And then, uh, you were you and John coaching the Lincoln high school boys team. Yeah. Yeah. So we started coaching at Lincoln. Um, I think I kind of, I stepped in cause they needed somebody. I, I, you know, I was refing at the time. And so I was, you know, in that, in that world and they needed a coach. I was like, I'll, I'll do it. And so I asked John to come with me and he brought Tony Kelly, who's another good friend of mine too. And, we coached at Lincoln High School for a few years, and then I got a job at Simpson College, coaching there, the men's team there for a couple of years, and then uh, then COVID hit, and then it was kind of over after that. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, you did a lot there. That's, you know, it's a... What year was that? What years, yeah, what years were you at Simpson? Oh, my God. Seriously, guys? I don't I mean, know. Yeah. Up until 2020. <laughs> like, uh, it must have been, like, 27, 2017. Oh, it was, it was probably 2016 to 2020, right in there, wow. in that time. Well, I know I was there. I know I was there in 2017, and I think I was there a little before that. So, and is that something, coaching wise, or something you're looking into? I know you said you got three kids and the wife and the family. Are you looking to continue coaching though, here in the future? Well, I still. I mean, I I help coach at uh, Roosevelt Boys High School in the spring, so we have that coming up. So I'll help there, and then. So I'm not sure what that will mean for helping the women in the spring, but I plan to continue to help with them. So I guess. I mean, coaching is kind of where I can, I can help right now with my current situation. Even though, like, like I said, I'm not trying to be humble, but it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to coach when you don't go to the games. You know, I mean, it's hard to really give that game time feedback, and and so it, it's hard to. It, that's, that's I find that difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I I don't see myself not being involved in rugby, whichever way that allows me. That's how basically what it is. Is like if you let me play, I'll play. If you let me ref, I'll ref. If you let me coach, hey, I'll coach. You know, just to be around it. So, so you're saying you're open to uh, uh, sipping with the uh, West Des Moines Wombats next year? Whoa! Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 Brendan. Brendan, no, no, no. no. Sorry, okay. sorry, that's off the table. I mean, you still got those thunder thighs, don't you? It was going all nice until you had to bring that up. It was going, it was you know, a little, I don't know if I do or not. Not really. Not, you can't tell with the man with the belly now, but Stop. I still play. I still play touch on Wednesday nights. You know, we got, we got the Des Moines okay. has an adult co-ed touch league and we get together once a week and play touch. So I, I'm still, still got it. Ish. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, we've stopped trying to recruit people when we interview them on the podcast because our success rate of recruiting it's on the podcast is pretty low. But, I mean, we keep you, shooting our well, shots. Low isn't zero. But you got to plant the seeds. You, can't, you don't get any you – know, if you don't plant the seeds, you're not going to get any fruit. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like that. Like yeah. And speaking of planting seeds, I want to go back to, like, the growth of rugby in Iowa and just, like, again, we're, we're really trying to use this platform – as a way to hear from a lot of different people with a lot of different experiences of basically like from your experience, you know, what do you think needs to either change or happen uh, to make rugby better in Iowa? Like not saying it's bad or anything like that, but like how do we make it better from your point of view? Like what's one thing, if you had a magic wand, a magic bullet, and you could just be like, snap my finger, boom, this makes it better. um, What would you like to see happen? I would like to see uh, super sites. Okay. So on a game day, we would have uh, three games involved. So you'd have six teams there. If each team has a, a certified referee, they could act in the AR and an off game and a mm-hmm. couple of signed referees. And all of a sudden we've got a spot where the referees are there working as a team together, providing a much better product for the teams. The teams can get it together and see each other, uh, you know, play and get a little scouting done and, you know, I've heard you guys talk about getting videos and stuff. Like, if it were a union thing where there's six teams, then you have a camera there, set up all six things. You got mm-hmm. the union site doing it or whatnot. But, but I think, I mean, I, I kind of got that idea one day after a bad rugby experience, mm-hmm. uh, refereeing a game. I was driving home, and I remember calling Jeremiah and be like, "I'm never refereeing again. Like, I'm done." You know, like, and so on the way home, just kind of thinking about the whole thing. I was just like, "Man, if we could just get together where there's, you know." 
more referees together. Mm-hmm. Kind of strength in numbers kind of thing. Yeah, and, and you know, Minnesota, I think they still do. I think I they saw I think I just saw they gave out awards this year for referees, which they may, they may have done in the past, but they've always had a really strong uh, referee allowed? society. Yeah. Um, Can you give referees credit? Like is that allowed? Well, amongst themselves. Oh, okay. it's amongst themselves. Yeah. <laughs> not, not from the clubs. <laughs> right. The clubs don't do it. That'd be interesting to see the <laughs> But you know they they have they have a really big um, like team referee sphere. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but like they get together um, in groups. I guess they're they're a lot of them in Minneapolis, so it helps that they're very central located. But just you know, if we could get together and then after the super site or after mm-hmm. the game before you go off to the party or whatever, the referees get together, have our beer together, and 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 talk about things and just kind of decompress. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Give some give some feedback and get some consistency and and um, like I said, I think if anytime we can have a team of three running it, it provides mm-hmm. a better product, you know. And oh yeah, and that's something too that I'm really pushing for for this upcoming fall, and it's something I've done with the Wombats too, where I've always tried to get give away one of our home matches so we could go play at like a university, so then we could have you know multiple referees and then also like getting that connection with like a men's club and college clubs. Um, but universities are really weird about senior sides or men playing on a college field. They're really um, uncomfortable with like liability and stuff. So but, would that work if we flipped it around and invited the university teams to come play at our area? Teams are not very willing to give up hosting. It's that's, very hard. That's to, fair too. That's why we always yeah. gave it up because we were willing to do that. Um, but they could play where we play, but teams don't like to give up their home match. So something, too, that we're looking into is like a festival style for teams that maybe are brand new or are struggling with numbers or guys that might live in a community like Oskaloosa and there's no one else around who wants to play and everybody meets at a super site and essentially you could have a B-side match of just a bunch of random people um, to try to build in numbers of like, you know, I want to play, I don't have a team, and then maybe build some excitement and bring back some of those clubs like, you know, Clinton, Cedar Rapids, Gopher College, maybe some of those other western side of the states, or Blackhawk is trying to come back and really just building that community up. So that's something I, I agree with you. I would love to see more super sites. And then just that community aspect too. I mean, sharing stories and all that stuff. Um I was going to say, too, what is, off the top of your head, putting you on the spot. Uh-oh. All right. What is your favorite rugby story that you can tell, like, socially, um, from from your time as either a player, referee, or coach? Hmm. Okay. So, this was, I think, the first year. It was the Toys for Tots. One year, we had a McHenry's Minions. I didn't name the team, but it was a bunch of my friends and, and like people and we had a friend who played here. We called his name was well. We called him Farva, and Farva <laughs> moved and played played for Kansas City Blues. And so Farva Farva came back and bought, brought a couple buddies. Well, I was in a ruck, and someone came in offsides and blew me up. And and Danny Caps came in and was like, "You can't do that." And so you know, he was like protecting me, right? Like this kid cheap shot at me, so he came in and did something. Well, when I stand up now, Danny's at the bottom of the pile, and he's getting. I think he's getting punched by this guy, and I'm like. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, well, I can't let him punch him. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I've never punched somebody in a rugby match before. 
<laughs> and so I start, so I, all right, I'm going to do it, right? So I start, I throw a couple blows, ding, 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 just as Paul Damsey turns around, the referee, and sees me throwing these little, little puppy punches, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and gives me the yellow card, which I was like, I, 100%, yes, absolutely, probably, that's great. The only problem was is that my wife and my one-year-old daughter were sitting at the tri-zone, and if we're in Des Moines, we're at the 22, basically near the, the, the clubhouse. My wife stands up, storms out on the field, shaking her finger, Jeffrey Andrew McHenry, you're a father and a referee! And just, you know... It just in front of all my friends, and um, yeah, I just hung my head. I didn't care about the yellow card. I was just more disappointed that my wife, you know, scolded me in front of all my friends. And, you got middle named. Yeah, I got middle named, and and you know, uh, Brennan, your dad, your brother Casey loves to yell that whenever he sees me. So that's always <laughs> fun. that's fair. I remember but, him. I remember him and Farva propping. That was always that the, fun. Is he from Iowa State? Or my thing is no. No, he pl- he played he like wrestled at like oh, Graceland University. I remember that guy now. I was the yeah. blonde haired yeah. guy from Iowa State, but he was younger. Yeah. So So speaking of funny stories, do you happen to remember refing a college game and catching you know, there's a a loose ball ball on the deck <coughs> and somebody kicks the ball through, you know, let's just keep play going, let's kick the ball through and <laughs> Catching a ball off the foot straight to your face from about five meters away. Do you remember that? Do you have a story like that? I don't, I don't remember that. No, oh my I God. Don't. I kicked a ball right into your face so fucking hard one time when I played at <laughs> you, and I, I can't believe you still you were standing. It's probably concussed. Doesn't remember <laughs> yeah. it. I don't remember it. Oh, my God. Shook it All off. Right. Must well, it's a lot funnier memory in my head than it is yours, evidently. Uh, uh, that's good. That's all right. Sorry. I did have just... You know... <laughs> Go ahead. I did have just one more story I wanted to tell, kind of a cautionary tale, too. I think on this program, we like to be really pro-referee because, you know, like Adam and all these guys say, we can't play the game without referees. And uh, I remember playing for you and I, and you were refing our game, and... Not that it really matters, but we were always really excited to have you as a sir because we thought you called the game really fair and let the guys play. But, you know, it was, a, it was just a good game when you had a guy blowing the whistle that knew what he was doing. So I was playing 10, and I, I threw a, a late pass that I was sure wasn't forward and was called forward. So at this point, I've known you for six years pretty well, and it's halftime. And I go up to you as Jeff McHenry, my friend, and I kind of laughed. And I was like, yeah, you know that, was, that wasn't that was forward, right? And you looked at me with, oh. like, I could tell how serious you took it. And you said, why would you, why would you ever say that to me? Like, don't ever, you, like, scolded me? Oh, no. No, but um. I say that to say that guys that play rugby that have never considered the referee don't realize how difficult of a job it is. Mm-hmm and how you know a lot of the guys you're refereeing against and how unfair the players can be. So I just want to apologize for (laughs) that. It's always, it's one of those memories that makes me cringe. So I don't know. I just think it's a cautionary tale of guys playing the game, know that the guys that are blowing the whistle are trying their hardest and they're calling things as they see them. And a lot of times arguing with them is, I mean, well, it's, it never matters, but it's, (laughs) You know, I don't well, know. Give the referees a break, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Well, it, it, you know, two things. First of all, it does matter, just maybe not at the time. You know, like I just, at the time, I, I don't have time to process it, but just the things that it doesn't matter to me, and not I'm not saying you are saying that, but like, you know, those yeah. things do matter. Like after games, referees do go back and replay things in their head. Like, you know, did I get that right? Or obviously I missed that one, you know? And so, first of all, your comment does matter, for, but <laughs> well, um, thanks, timing yeah. is the thing. Um, <laughs> And I, my, my second point was, uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. Now you sound like me. Yeah, Except I know. you don't have Ryan Gray to come bail you out when you forget what to say. <laughs> well, it kind of led me to a point, too. I think one thing, I, and this is a random thought, just kind of a plug. We talk about refereeing, and people might be asking yourselves, like, you know, what can they benefit from? You know, just as far as it goes for me, just as that, you know, it, you you know, you're when you play for a team. You know, when I played for when I played for Des Moines, I knew the rivalry I had with Bremer County. Right when I played them, I knew what to expect. And like when I played Clinton, I knew what to expect. But like, you don't know what Clinton and Bremer is like. I mean, you I have an idea, right? But you don't know. And so, as a referee, you kind of get that opportunity to see that the teams play each other that you're not playing. You know, normally with. And so, I found that was a good opportunity and a good you know a good selling point like you get to see the other teams play get that best seat in the house um yeah random thought sorry about that no we're always about uh plugging referees you know trying to grow the game that's what this whole podcast is about but you know i think we'll probably let you go jeff we really appreciate all the time and you know i i'm not trying to gas you up too much because you're kind of a scoundrel but i really appreciate uh you being a part of my rugby journey and you know being fortunate enough to call you a friend so thanks for coming on well thank you man it's, it's comments like that, that that keep people like me going or, and everybody going so it's all good i appreciate it love you guys all right love you jeff, jeff love you jeff right. i love you you're a good man <laughs> see you buddy bye see ya and now let's take a break to hear from one of our sponsors. Convergence Acquisitions LLC is an organization dedicated to providing their creditor partners with a compliance solution for accounts receivable portfolio sales and servicing they enable for their clients to focus on their core business and provide them with a reliable partner they can count on to acquire distressed portfolios. Through over 30 years of accounts receivable management experience, they have developed processes and procedures to recover account portfolios while exceeding compliance expectations. They have partnered with well-respected law firms and other recovery vendors to create an ideal solution for their partners. Convergence Acquisitions evaluates and acquires portfolios including credit card, retail card, consumer loans, auto loans, draft deposit accounts, EMS services, and more. For more information on selling portfolios to use, please contact our business development team at 855-200-6096 or via email at acquisitions at convergenceacquisitions.com. All right, and that was Jeff McHenry. Great to hear from him. Uh, yeah, like you said, Nichols, legend of the game. Like if you've been playing, you've probably seen him as a referee or as a coach or even played against him, especially lately in like those summer sevens tournaments. And so really cool to hear his story. And I feel like we could have him on 10 more times and we'll still hit stories that we've never heard because he's done a lot of things. Yeah, just did a lot for me and guys like Brendan and I'm sure like Jeremy Newman and mm -hmm. those guys, you know, just like the constant little kid badgering him. Can we play touch with you? Can mm -hmm. we come to men's practice? Always willing to give a nugget of knowledge and just a, a great fella. Yeah. Well, I think that too speaks to like for anybody who's on the fence of coaching, 
that can kind of show that impact there mm-hmm. that you might think like, oh, I don't know if I have the time. I don't know if it's like really that important. Will I really have an impact? And, you know, when he was coaching you guys or like he was just a player, but he wanted to share that information like it, it does. And like that's what's so cool about the rugby community is like you're in it for life. I With the high school football playoffs ending, you know, I've I've seen people like post about their kids or their nephews or their grandkids, whatever. And it's like, well, their football career is done. It's done forever. Like people have dedicated their whole lives from like elementary school flag football, middle school football, high school football. And it's like, well, I'm done with football. I'll never coach. I'll never play. I'll never ref. Football's done. But it was such a big part. Like rugby, you're in it for life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so to have a coach like that who can impact you who's become a referee before you coached before Gimli you're getting into coaching all the other guys that have gotten into coaching because he was their coach or because you get into refing because he was such a great ref so um it's cool to see that impact and yeah, like and, you exponentially know, you know yeah maybe challenge guys listening to you know become a Jeff McHenry you know the two guys that were pretty instrumental in my rugby journey and not to speak for Gim but we were kind of on the same road, yeah. but it's Jeff McHenry and Paul Damji mm-hmm. and who are two guys that are still all around the Des Moines rugby scene. You know, mm-hmm. we need to repopulate. Yeah. I mean, so. you're setting the bar pretty, <laughs> setting the bar there pretty high. Like, I don't know if you could be another Jeff. He's, I can't. I'm talking about somebody else. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm opening the door to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> now. And what was cool, like I said, the Des Moines women's team, they went to Lamont, Illinois, when there was the Midwest championships. And they had basically this festival women's season where teams couldn't compete with a full 15. And they would play these festivals where they would combine rosters. Well, at the end of the season, they basically did an East versus West all-star game. The East ended up beating the West 56 to 20. But the woman of the match was Erica from Des Moines Rugby Club. And what was cool is Erica, she was a player from the University of Iowa. So I know Jeff was saying how, you know, they're not seeing the the influx of talent from the, the women's colleges and the high school programs yet. I, I, Phil and I, we've talked about this before. We feel like they're knocking on the door. Like mm. we're starting to see like some former like Roosevelt girls I've seen go to some practices and you know, there's a few college girls that hopefully like Iowa State's right there and yeah. hopefully we see more and more. And it's really cool to see that, you know, the the best player in this tournament was an Iowa product. Yeah, University she, of Iowa. She had a phenomenal season last year with Iowa when they mm-hmm. you know, had that great national run. <coughs> so big part cool of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, real big part of that. So it's cool to see her to continue to play. Yeah. And that's what I say too, like, you know, I wanna see rugby grow in all areas you know, high school, college, senior side. And that's also like, how do we strengthen those pipelines? Like the numbers of kids who go from high school to college to play rugby, it's like 5% that continue. And then from college to senior side, it's 5% of that. So you're looking at 5% of 5% make it from high school to college to senior side. Like, how do we strengthen those pipelines? How do we keep people involved? And so that's something we'll look at, especially in the off season. And what's really cool is, you know, there's a couple of new teams that are coming up in the Iowa Youth Rugby Association. Uh, we have North Polk and Boone. 
So I saw North Polk Rugby, Justin McKay tried starting that uh, last year. Um, didn't have the numbers for it, so those kids went and played for Ames. Here's the thing. Justin McKay, he had a little meeting at like a Mexican restaurant in Polk City. They had eight kids show up. Eight kids in November are interested about rugby in North Polk. Hopefully they can continue to build off that. I know Devin Fishback, another wombat, he's trying to get Boone restarted. He's a union man too, Phil. Big union guy. Yeah. He's actually the president of the Carpenters Union. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then also, uh, it, the way it sounded is that he might have two, well, one guy who, or two, yeah, two wombats that might be what? assisting him as well, so... Mm-hmm. That'll be pretty yeah, huge. Detar yeah. and Josie. And Josie. Yeah. Yep. So and so awesome. what's really cool about that is uh, they've been playing touch at Des Moines Rugby, and Wombat guys, they'll go play touch with Des Moines Rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin's been bringing some high school kids to play touch with them. So Boone, North Polk, should be coming back. And one thing that I constantly hear from people all the time is like, you know, because I constantly am trying to get people to start clubs, and they'll go, okay, what do I do? And a lot of times it's like if guys had a checklist, I think it'd be really easy to start a team. Mm-hmm. Guys, they want to know, like, what's the next step? And it's hard for me because I'm just like, do whatever you want. Like, literally, you're a club. You, you really don't have to get approval from the AD. It helps. Um, you just start it and you just recruit. But, like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is Iowa State Rugby last year, they hosted a coaching clinic to try to help brand new coaches and current coaches learn how to start a new club. How do you strengthen your current club? How do you recruit? How do you fundraise? How do you make it impactful for the kids? How do you get admin on your side? How do you get teachers on your side? How do you get the community on your side? And then how do you, like, how do you teach your kids the skills to be successful in their high school season and to be successful in their like college like how do you get them to go from high school to college well guess what head coach ant Fryme from iowa state ant is hosting the second annual cyclone sevens coaching clinic it is going to be the checklist to championships learn how to build a sustainable winner both on and off the field within your local communities that's going to be in january 20th from noon to 4 p.m at weeks middle school in des moines sponsors january 20th is that a Saturday. Saturday. Okay, that's two days after my birthday, just so everyone knows. Yes. So that would be a Thursday. That's Nichols' birthday. <laughs> just so we know. Yeah. I, and yeah. so this coaching clinic is brought to you by BBP Rugby, the Iowa Youth Rugby Association, Iowa State Rugby, and the B Side Boys. Yeah. Give we're, a listen. Follow. <laughs> smash that like button. So we're a proud sponsor. Uh, basically, what's the mission of this? It's not a coaching clinic for Ant to go up there and say, look how good of a coach I am. I've. It's only a small part of it. No, <laughs> Phil. That's just the introduction. Oh, gosh. Ant specifically texted me. all my trophies. Ant specifically texted me to make sure that we said the disclaimer. It's not just for him to brag about how good he is. Um, but no, the idea is... This clinic is designed by Midwestern coaches for Midwestern coaches. The goal of this clinic is to assist other coaches with building their program on and off the field by sharing insights specific to this region in order to bridge the gap locally, regionally, and nationally. So they're going to show the importance of coaching on and off the field, how to start and grow a program and best practices, how to build and develop a roster, and then what is Iowa State's offense and defensive systems. They won a sevens national title last year. 
You know, they know what they're doing. And then also, Jordan Sanderson, who played for Ankeny, coaches at Ankeny, plays for Des Moines, plays at a very high level. He's going to give some insight. Brad Lewis, the coach of Bondurant, he's gone from 0-11 in their first year to a consistent state championship participant every single year. They're competing for championships at the state tournament. Clint Gadbury, one of the admin for Iowa Youth Rugby Association, is going to help. How do you get in with Iowa Youth Rugby Association? What steps do you need to do to be seen? And then Ant Frine, the coach of Iowa State, what do they do to make it work? So again, if you are a guy who's on the fence about coaching, or if you're a guy who's new to coaching, or a girl. Or a gal. Yeah. Show up, bring a notebook. Pretty sure this is going to be 100% free. Pretty sure when I look at this, yeah, thank you to our sponsors who make this event free. It is 100% free. You show up January 20th, noon to 4 at Weeks Middle School in Des Moines on the south side. Bring a notebook. They're going to tell you exactly what you need to do. So if you're on the fence like, I don't know, it's so hard, you will walk out of there with a checklist and you will be confident in what you're doing. So make sure you keep your eyes open. Pretty sure it's going to be posted today. We'll share the link. Hell yeah. Yeah, make it happen. So it's going to be good. Um, Yeah, that's what I have on that. Phil, are you excited to learn from there? Yeah, I mean, actually, I would really like to go. Only problem I'm – like foreseeing for myself you're gonna currently. be so hungover from nick's no, 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 for no, my no, birthday no, no. oh yeah that well Aww. your birthday but cheyenne's birthday is the following day the 19th yeah birthday buddies birthday buddies yeah oh oh yeah well so, yeah so we'll see what happens on that but if i can get away for four hours which shouldn't really be that hard then i would like to go at noon to four what i mean you'll be done with brunch and it's before when you go out oh my god yeah. oh, it should be tough in Just, bed. you have to get somebody to watch your kids right Bluey and Bingo. The show should have came out like seven years ago. Bingo. Yay. Gim, are you going? I'll be there with bells on, Mr. Gray. Well, you got to be quiet so we can pay attention. <laughs> I'm so good at that. Yeah. But we have a new segment. What? And Gim, we're going to transition to this point. What what do we want to call it? Do we have a song for this? We got a little jingle. Gimli. Did Greg give you an advance notice that you'll be doing this, or did he just dump it on you real quick? No, he gave me kind of notice. You know, he told me I could do stuff and things as long as I don't put the microphone too close to me mouth and talk too loud. What do we want to call this segment? I don't know yet. I really haven't. You know, I just wrote down Gimli Nugget, and I know I went out of order there, but. No, I mean, I love chicken nuggets, and that's, you know, the Denver Nuggets are a team. And one thing. They've won. When Phil and I were talking, like, you know, we need to mix it up. You know, our marriage is getting a little stale. We need a third partner, <laughs> you know. And we're like, wow. you know, Gimli, he uh, he always has some great nuggets and insight on things that I don't think of. And, and we can go down a rabbit hole. And so that's what we're going to do every week is we just want to find something just random wanna... in rugby that you can teach us on because you also know history and books and things that happen in the world that we don't yeah i can go down lots of holes with you mr gray yeah. so Big let's let's guy. let the listener go down gimli's hole for a minute bring a flashlight okay <laughs> listen up no yeah I, I appreciate mr gray the confidence you have in me and no i'd like to do 
something, but yeah, I don't have a name to be determined. Maybe people can can message us, you know, a segment name. They won't. <laughs> they won't, but may, maybe they could. We ask um, people on here a lot to like, yo, you know, send us your thoughts. And it's like, eh, sometimes. We're not big thinkers. <laughs> We're not big thinkers around here. Um, we want engagement. I know. Well, you know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, too, and a lot of sports radio and whatnot. And I got this idea. So if it's kind of semi-stolen from other publications, yeah, don't worry about it. Sue me. Um, and one thing we talked about in the World Cup, and we talked about growing the game, um, money comes up a lot. Money comes up a lot in our local Iowa you know, ties. How do you get people to not just go play a sport but pay money to play a sport and how does it grow and how does the usa get better when they can't really afford to pay their guys as much as other sports do in the u.s and looking into it um i made me really uh really curious on how much the best rugby players in the world get paid okay um so i, I went down some holes in that you know found some <laughs> went uh, yeah, I went down some holes, you know. I think it's called spelunking when you're going in caves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's spelunk. Let's spelunk. So what I did was I, to the best of my abilities, found the top ten highest paid professional rugby players. Mm-hmm. From ten to one. And I'm going to quiz you boys on it. Well, I can see your papers. So well, that's and that's that's not it. So there oh, you okay, go. Okay. Boom. That's the ten highest paid in the World Cup this year. Okay. Oh. I want the highest paid in the world. Some of the guys got more money that's, based off salary. That's interesting because I always thought, from what I had heard from the past, was that it was always like an honor to play in the World Cup. So like the players didn't really like actually make money. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. They want to get paid. I think that's well, yeah, yeah. But I always thought that was like kind of the deal. Well, you can tell he's not in a union. <laughs> they trick you. <laughs> yeah, just start, start working. We'll pay you later. It's the honor. How's yeah. it feel to be taken advantage of your whole career? <laughs> we'll teach. We'll teach you the skills. The I'm skills. sorry. I said I was done doing that. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> sorry, Phil. Um, yeah, the hardest thing to find was there's not a lot uh, of transparency out there. Okay. They don't really tell you what they make like they do in the NFL and the NBA and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with the international sides. Yes. And the international sides, <laughs> one, it's all conversions. So, like, um, you know, with uh, what Saya Khaleesi, he's getting paid 17 million rand this year. I don't know how much a rand is. I think it's about a million U.S. dollars is what I found out. Stuff like that. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, he – I don't want to give away anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you do your deal. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I found a list that may be outdated, but I kind of took that and another list of world – cup players and found the 10 highest paid players and i wanted to see if you guys could guess any and then yeah and then we'll go through and i'll see if you know what clubs they play for does that sound fun maybe yeah. i don't right, know let's do it. okay i'll start with mr gray mr gray can you name one of the players of the top 10 highest paid players i'm gonna just say no <sighs> that's not you're not even trying mr gray I, I don't even know where I'd start. Uh, Think. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, why did you start with me? And you didn't. This is what it feels like. Um, oh, the guy from uh, England, Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell, my brother's name, but yeah. not Farrell. Colin Farrell's brother. Yes, Owen Farrell's on there. Boom. Your brother's name check, is check. Owen Farrell? I have a brother named Owen. You do? You do? 
Your brother Casey's real name's Owen. Ah, uh, what the? I was like, what the fuck? His gut for like twenty years. His government name is Owen. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's he make? Mm-hmm. My brother? I don't know. I don't ask him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. We don't talk about money and family. I'll but tell he you makes what. Over a million a year, right? Rand, I think. Yeah. Rand? Owen Farrell? I'm just kidding. No, he plays in England. He does. He does make over a million. That's that's where it gets that's where it gets sketchy. But Phil, can you name anybody else? Mm. Anybody? Okay. Michael. Eric can. Hooper. Yes, that is correct. Michael nice. Hooper. Really? The hoopster from Australia. Oh. He's the highest paid Australian player in the world. What number is he in the top ten? Uh, he number three probably, right? Or is he uh, two? No, he's he's lower, he's lower than that. Uh, that and that's where it gets kind of weird because because they all float around. A lot of them float around the same the same price range. So um, he is. Yeah, I think he's number two, but it's huh. one of those. They're all kind of floating around the same. Um, but, yeah, can you name two other ones? One of the guys was we've talked about French, probably, right? a lot. Yes. Is it Antoine? Yes, Antoine, Antoine. Antoine Dupont. Antoine. Oh, man, we're going to talk about him later in the episode, too. Um, oh, yeah, it's on the board. And on then the board. one more guy that we should get. I actually said his name earlier, and I wasn't. See Khaleesi. Yes, that is correct. The Dragon Queen. No, that's yeah, not it. <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, yeah, so those are some of the guys. Top 10, I would say. Sia Khaleesi is listed at 10, um, and he makes just over a million dollars. And with this, too, they don't put all their endorsements. With endorsements, some of these guys can make triple, quadruple their salary, depending on where they are. And I think a lot of it has to do with their age and what country they play in because I don't think any of these guys are under, like, 27 years old. I think most of them are high 20s or 30s. Like, they have to play for a long time, get a lot of notoriety, mm-hmm. pay their dues, literally, probably, because they're union men. Um, <laughs> and so also, too, like, they're making money from their club plus their national team right yes okay so just i'm yeah i'm just i'm just going off club club salary okay. right now did you look up for like mlr or usa what they look like uh yeah uh i think the average what is it twenty two thousand dollars or something that's for... where it, that's the bottom range okay the average for usa rugby it says is forty five thousand six hundred fifteen, and then it starts at twenty two thousand and then the top end is like 91,000, but a lot of those guys are international guys who are taking spots from Americans in major league rugby. Mm. So like really, I mean, if you're playing pro rugby in the United States, you're looking at 22,000 to like 40,000. Wow. Yeah. Which is not That's why a great. lot of those guys have jobs too on top yeah. of mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. And that's I will just say as much a proponent I as I am of growing the sport in the United States, you go watch French Top 14, which is one of the greatest brands of rugby, or the English Premiership. Not all those guys are from England or from France. Mm-hmm. So the trading nationalities for professional rugby is something worldwide. worldwide. Gotcha. So, I don't know. But so, are oh. Americans going overseas to develop and get better? It's not as frequent, obviously, as here. Right. You know, But it is weird, though, because that, that is a big complaining point. But also, 
when the MLR was pitched, they did say to develop American yeah. talent. Because so, I feel like we have more imports than yeah. we have exports. No, we're I like, think you're totally you're totally right. Yeah, oh. we're like England is probably like ah, we don't care where guys go because we have such a deep pool. You know, mm. like, yeah. And as far as it right. goes, it's usually premier the Premier League <laughs> pays the best. So yeah. if we had to break down just what some would say, and this is just one one source I found. The top ten salaries better not be from Flow Rugby. Uh, never heard of it. Why? Because you can trust them. Just because they're ruining the game. Well, just because, <laughs> just because the opening sentence of one of these articles uh, has the word heated instead of hearted for the faint heated. This is not for the faint heated, is what it says. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they make we all make typos. Um, uh, maybe you should heed their warning. Um, oh, hey, oh. I don't even know if that was just right. Uh huh. Okay, number 10 is an old boy, real old, like old, 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 old guy. He's making just off of his, just off of his uh, club salary, $770,000 per year. He's probably going to retire soon. Played fly half in the World Cup this year for my favorite team. Oh, Jonathan Sexton. Yep. Johnny Sexton. Uh, And he plays for Leinster. That's in yeah the URL right. Mm-hmm. That's like the it's like Scotland, England, Scotland, England, South Africa, like a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. countries. Yes. Uh, next guy is an All Black number nine. Eric, you know the All Blacks. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's an All Black. Not. Well, I think he's. Stephen Laatuo. Yeah, I think it's weird. So I think a lot of times with New Zealand, if you go and play your club outside of New Zealand rugby, Mm. then like you, I don't know the specifics, and I've tried to learn. But like if you play outside of the New outside of New Zealand rugby, like that contract, Mm -hmm. then you're like not selected. Like I think there's only one All Black from the World Cup that didn't play pro rugby in New Zealand. That makes sense. That's I feel like that's fair. But yeah, he plays in France. Isn't that weird though? But he is a capped All Black, yeah, because he plays. Yeah. He plays for the Premiership, right? Yes, he plays for Bristol. He's yeah. the captain of Bristol. Yeah, the Bristol Bear, Bristol Bears, right. and he makes just under a mil. He makes seven hundred seventy thousand a year. Uh, next guy is a, a Frenchman. Name is Morgan Para. He plays for Clermont and the French League, right? Yeah, top 14. Top 14. Uh, two-time top 14 title winner. <laughs> he makes the same, 770000 And so a lot of this, I feel like all of these guys are, like, th- over 30 years old, that like we've just said. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it has to do with seniority still in rugby. So that's one mm-hmm. thing I think, like, there's not a lot of enticing for a young player to come play for certain clubs because they don't mm-hmm. pay them what they're what – they're, at least weird. what I've noticed. That's weird because I feel like in the NFL, when a running back hits 30 years old, it's like, hey, they deserve – they've worked so hard, they deserve this. And it's like, well, they have no future. See ya. Mm-hmm. And people are willing to pay big bucks in free agency for a young guy based off of potential in baseball, in NFL, mm-hmm. in America. Well, what position – like just scan through the top ten because I'm just thinking of who Nine, I know. <laughs> yeah, who I know. Dan Bigger is next. Welsh. Yeah. Number 10. Number 10. And he plays for Toulon. Fly half. He plays for Toulon. Uh, makes 994000 a year for them. Another French. Does that contingent on his back holding up when he kicks? 
conversions. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot of them are running 10 or, like I said, captaining. It's like, I think, Stephen Latua, is he a, I think he's a loose f- forward? I thought he or was a center? A, like a outside back. Like a 15, I thought. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We don't like him anyway. He's not an old black. Um, I think, well, whatever. You okay? Everything's fine. Uh, Let's keep it moving. Yeah, and I didn't, the top five are the only guys that crack a million. And then everybody flex, everybody stays right around a million. Five is Cheslin Colby from South Africa. Mm. Um, French player from French club, right? Yeah, he's, he's from Toulon too. So, I mean, a lot of these are French clubs and English clubs that are paying the most. It doesn't seem like a lot of Southern Hemisphere pay as much. No, not even the New Zealand, like the Super League. Yeah. Mm-mm. And so that, that confused me a lot. Number four, Owen Farrell, Ugh. another older guy. Number 10 uh, for the Saracens. Mm-hmm. And he makes just over a mil a year. Uh, All-American, too. And this was something I, I noticed, too. Japan has tried to get a lot of these guys to come play in the Japanese league, and they offer more money. But for some reason, a lot of them don't go play. And it's just because there's not as good a competition, and they have to go live in Japan. Maybe cost of living, too, maybe mm-hmm. part of it, too. I was going to say, I've yeah, seen just, a lot of Americans, I feel like, go to Japan. Like a, lot of, a lot of New Zealand yeah, players go to Japan, and the brand of rugby is very its different, so it's like... So they pay a lot of money relative to New Zealand, I think. I don't think maybe relative to this top 10 list. Yes. But the brand of rugby is, like, the training is rigorous. Like, they run those fuckers to the ground, and then the when they play, it's a lot less physical. So these guys can keep their careers going longer because it's less wear and tear. So then when they, mm. they'll go, and I know because I follow New Zealand so much, there's some stipulation like you can leave and they, they take a quote-unquote sabbatical from New Zealand rugby mm-hmm. like the inter- the governing body and they come back and it's like they have to do a quick tour to get themselves back into like world uh, test match shape because it's so much more physical than Japan. Oh, yeah. And do you remember the Sunwolves when they played in Super Rugby? Yes. So I feel like they folded because like their style of play – just did not compete with those New Zealand clubs, those Australia clubs. Like they just, because like you said, they ran such a different structure Mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, we want a Japan team in super rugby because like, we just, we need to be a part of this. But like their players just couldn't go toe to toe because of how they like ran things. You know, I heard uh, like Dan Carter or maybe it was Bowden Barrett, but like a huge, a huge Mm -hmm. international name was playing in Japan and he'd be like, Hey, in the leadership meetings, or maybe they didn't even have them. And he'd mm. say, like, hey, we need a leadership meeting. I don't think we should be doing this. And they're like, you know, this, this is how, how we, we do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they're like, <laughs> just shut up. And he's like, all right, well, I, you're just, yeah. I don't know. And then they folded. And I know they had a lot of financial problems, too, because I think they're like, we want to compete right away. And, like, they tried to throw it together. And it just, there's so many things where it's like, yeah, there's a reason why New Zealand teams are really good. Mm-hmm. Like they've been doing this for a long time. Like right. maybe listen to this guy; he's been in the room before. The, I think the Japanese. Well, this might be a little bit whoa, a stretch whoa, for the whoa, pot. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But they have. Uh, they're very proud, and they have like a, a standard of doing things, and they don't deviate often. Mm-hmm. I guess, despite uh, 
Have you seen the documentary about the Japanese company that bought an American Union company and they tried to change the culture? The it's movie like, with Michael Keaton, Gung Ho, from no, the 80s? it's a Netflix oh. documentary. I watched yeah, it when I, I was about. a baby and it was like 4 in the morning. Anyway, moving you, on. You guys ever watch New Japan Pro Wrestling? Now we'll move on. <laughs> I used to watch the old Pride the Fighting. You're the one. The what? Pride Fighting. Like Bob Sapp, stuff like that. This is fake pro wrestling. Oh, okay. You don't remember? <laughs> it's like WWE for... Yeah, no, I know, I know Bob Sapp. I know it was Pride. always real to me. It's real to me. <laughs> Those guys really get hurt. No, they do. I mean, the the stories are fake, they but, get but bloody the, in the physicality rain. is real. It's a great spectacle. Um, moving along. Broadway's fake. I mean, yeah. yeah. Let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> number number three oh, highest paid player. Annie wasn't a real orphan. Uh, <laughs> fucking fucking ginger. Uh, number three, Charles Piatua. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is a Tongan, but he also played for the All Blacks. He was yes. capped for New Zealand. Yep. Uh, currently plays for Bristol. I Bristol has two guys in the top ten. Not a hard knock life for him. I think he's uh-huh. one of those guys that was a capped All Black that moved to England to make more money, mm-hmm. so he couldn't play for New Zealand. Defected. Yeah, they and then they defection. changed the deal. They changed the international rules, so he's one of the ones that played for Tonga. That is why people thought Tonga would do better in the World oh, Cup. Okay. Yeah. Uh yes, and he played for the London he played for the London Wasps, and then left and went and played. Because the Wasp uh, dissolved, folded, whatever. Yeah. Yes, they had financial issues yeah. too. Us too. What a crazy name for a team. Wasps. Wasps. We'll get into that story another time uh, on our political episode. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. White Anglo-Saxon. Yeah. Okay. Protestant. Protestants. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of them over there. Uh, <laughs> over there. Uh, okay. Do they, do they look like the Tongan fella? Like <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah. I don't know. All right, moving on. All right, yeah, moving yeah. on. Uh, number two on here, Scott, a Scottish man. Again, fly half. Mm. Finn Russell. Oh, he mm. plays for Bath. Bath. Mm-hmm. He takes a bath. That's for sure. Well, they're number one in the table right now before he was with bath he played for racing 92 mm-hmm. who French. signed yeah, uh Calisi, um and that's how he got his bump up but yeah he he's making 1.25 million so he's the second highest pay allegedly and he's 30 years old so again the sale sharks are ahead of bath i thought oh. seattle yeah sale. the sale <laughs> like sale yeah but these I thought Bath was number one. We'll, we'll look at that later. Okay. We'll get there. Number one, highest paid player all around. And the, from the World Cup He's to... He's a lot. Yep, we talked about him a lot. He's a fun guy. He also plays fly half. He plays... He's a world champion. <laughs> Name is Andre Pollard. Plays for the Leicester Tigers. I just said Leicester. Yeah, I think it's Leish. Yeah, we'll, we'll just say it really fast and yeah. Leicester. And forget there's an N in there. Just yeah, there's right not there. an N in there. You're thinking of Leinster. Oh well, what are you? Leinster. There's a Leinster and a Leicester, but I thought Leicester was pronounced different. But you know, I was like Worcestershire. Um, so it sounds like. I he, mean, and how much does he make? He makes almost double everybody else. He makes reportedly 1.8 million just from his club in Europe, mm-hmm. and he. Could make close to four to five million a year. Wow! So fly half, sorry, at a premium. Yep. Uh, and the other honorable mentions from the World Cup: uh, Eben, it's a, it's a, it's a bit from it's South Africa, 
he plays for Toulon as well. It makes over a mil a year from Toulon. And Nicolas Sanchez is the only a man from the Americas on this list. He's in the top Argentinian. 15. Argentinian. Uh, he makes almost 800000 And then Michael Hooper, like Phil said, Wallaby veteran, longtime captain. Um, one of the only forwards on here, I believe. He's a back row player. Uh, again, though, he's old. He's like 32. Not old, but you know. And he's the only one that plays in Australia. And then Eric's favorite guy, one of the three Barrett brothers, Bowden Barrett. Uh, like you said, Bowden played for a Japan a Japanese team, made just over a million dollars while he was there. And then when he went back to play in New Zealand because he hated it, he only makes six <laughs> 670000 Because he hated it. So he took a literal quite a large pay cut. So I... The moral of this story is it's unfair, and these boys should be getting more money. So I don't know what's going on out there, but pay our boys. Because if they make more money, then it'll trickle trickle down economy, right? Trickle down world rugby economics. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast and they talked about why there isn't a like an international rugby superstar, and it's all about. Um, the namesake and a lot of the top guys on the list like Andre Pollard, Owen Farrell, Finn Russell, they just aren't they don't have the personalities. Mm. And the guys that have the personalities like Joe Marler Marler oh, yeah, is yeah. how it's spelled. The guy he plays prop for England, he's got the yeah. Mohawk. Yep. Like he's a character. Mm-hmm. But you're like it's it'd be like having an offensive lineman be the face of the NFL. So you'd need uh, uh you're wearing an Eagles sweatshirt right yeah, now. The sexiest man alive. He's like, he's like my favorite player. I don't even like the Eagles. The only pulling center in the league. <laughs> but I mean, he's like a novelty, not of his own doing. I mean, what you're, I mean, your argument's flawed. No, no, it's I understand. I understand. Like it's, yeah. he's not doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, like Joe Thomas was one of the greatest <clears throat> offensive tackles of all time. Yeah. Played for the Cleveland Browns. But like, you're not gonna be like, oh man, I'm gonna go out to a Cleveland Browns match and like watch them play football because Joe Thomas, what a guy. Like, right. I mean, it's just yeah. inherent in the, in the way the mm-hmm. sport goes. Right. Right. And it just seems like a lot of the top end point scorers are like mm-hmm. introverted. Mm-hmm. It, so, well, and I wonder seem. too, if rugby is like very well, like, or very like, it's all about respect. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of times too, where you're not dancing over the top of someone like AI stepping over, you know, after crossing over that dude, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not celebrating on top of people because it's like, there's a respect. Cause you also know if you, you celebrate a little too hard, you're getting punched in the next ruck. You know what I mean? Like right. guys aren't really going out there like a Randy Moss or like a TO being like, wow, look at me because cause you're a lot more exposed just mm-hmm. the way the sport is. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's that weird, like, Hey, we all respect each other. We all, we're all in this together and it's mm-hmm. hard to break out and be that superstar. Also, too, a lot, so many random people who don't watch rugby and they see it, they're like, there's too many people on the field. I'm so confused. You have 30 people on the field. It's hard to look at one guy. You know, LeBron James is on the court. He has four teammates. You know, mm-hmm. it's really easy to find him and be like, oh, he's, he's pretty good. He's standing out. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're looking for – and maybe that's why fly halves, too, and scrum halves because they touch the ball way more than everybody else. Mm. Um why they're getting paid more and more noticeable, like their names are more noticeable. Cause like 
how many number four and fives can you name from national teams? Uh, I mean, Eric, you can. Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. So there's a guy at Scotland had a, a lock. This is not really related. I have no idea how much money he makes, but his name's Richie Gray, and he always makes me think of you. Oh. You know. I like him. He's like you, but not as good as rugby. <laughs> rugby. <laughs> <coughs> well, but hey, Jim. So yeah. So in, we need to pay more people. In conclusion, yeah, we need to pay more people, and uh, we yeah, need more eyeballs. Well, it's probably one of those eyeballs things, like you said, and you know the fact that there are multiple, multiple professional leagues, mm-hmm. and there is a bigger pool of players. I don't know if that makes it harder because all the eyeballs are going in all different directions nah, that's true we're like the nfl makes all this money there's only one pro football league yeah. i mean i mean there's yep. some that are popping up around the world but the fact that like england france new zealand super mm-hmm. rugby like there's so many different places to find premiership rugby in some countries rugby league players make more money in australia rugby mm. league players make more money in England, some rugby league teams play pay more. This might be the first time in 98 episodes we've ever mentioned rugby league. I fucking hate rugby league. Rugby league is stupid. Yeah. But I will say no we should probably climb out of Gim's hole here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. We're deep in his hole. But it, it is a rope. For one, just as a, a fan, like I imagine a lot of the people listening, it's confusing just to watch international rugby because mm-hmm. you've got the New Zealand Super League, which and then you've got the English Premiership and then the URL and you've got all these the different British Lions and the Yeah, all these different pro oh, leagues. You don't know who's playing for who or why. Mm-hmm. And then they all come with different pay structures. So the fact that it's a world game, mm-hmm. I think it's just inherently more difficult. Where like mm-hmm. what the sports we're used to are all basically I mean Yeah. Not to go on a tangent, but basically in the United States. So it's all the same yeah. currency and the same league like level of play and stuff. Like Bundy Aki doesn't play He's like one of the best players in the whole cup, and he plays in the URL, not the Premiership. Does that mm-hmm. mean he's any better or worse? No, it's just the it's team he's, he's on and the contract he's under. So it's 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 confusing, and I like try to figure it out, and mm-hmm. I get confused. So yeah, I don't know. That's, and that's like NBA. When a guy does bad, they go to China or they go to Europe, and it's a demotion. Mm-hmm. Whereas like like you're saying for rugby when they go to a different country it's more linear it's more like hey this is just a better opportunity for me mm-hmm. it's not like a demotion a promotion it's like this is just this is a the best fit for me mm-hmm. and then yeah and depending on what country your allegiance is to mm-hmm. it could have implications on representing your national yeah there's just yeah. a lot more factors at play yeah. So, definitely what a, so, what a great b-side take we had on international <laughs> professional rugby well <laughs> continuing that so we were talking about that competition with usa canada brazil and spain usa and spain played in the final of that and really cool usa defeated spain in the championship 42 to 12 hey. nate osberger uh Nate Berge. friend of the show, <laughs> friend of the show. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet but he is he had a cool cherry pick for a try uh huge victory uh but nichols we were talking about that where it's one of those things where it's a group of tier two nations that are all around each other where we need to be as usa we we need to be beating those teams consistently but at the same time like we kind of got to slow our roll a little bit and know that like the level of play from the world cup to this competition much lower yeah we get kind of in this trap of don't be too excited because we didn't play anyone to 
on the other side like well we we're playing the competition that's in front of us and we're beating them handily so like be excited that we're doing well but don't be content with the level we're playing but you know i think with the the current regime and the and the club or in the the club as it is you know we're we're standing up and playing teams and we're winning well and mm-hmm. ju- i i think you just take it all as a positive and i yeah i try really hard not to analyze it too much mm-hmm. and i'm just happy that the u.s is coming out on top yeah and it's like one of those things you hear in sports all the time like beat the teams that you're supposed to beat mm-hmm. and that's where usa is right now where it's like when we play a team that's tier two we should expect to win and that's what's going to get us to the next level keep chipping away chipping away and we have to hold that expectation and we need they need more opportunities. We talked about all the pro leagues, obviously, that are around the rest of the world, Europe and South Africa and Oceania. Uh, <laughs> but there used to be a lot more tournaments, I feel like. And there was that America's – was it uh, – no, the America's Cup, America's Rugby Championship. And we won it in 2017 and 2018. And we beat – I went to a match in L.A. and watched the U.S. play – Argentina B, mm. and they beat them, and it was like an upset. Uh, and during COVID, they eliminated that. And yeah. so, like, this is kind of a fill-in for it. Yeah. And, yeah, those Pan American games are different, though. Those are like a pre-Olympic thing. <coughs> yeah. So, I don't and, know. They need more opportunities. And, again, as Canada being that other North America opponent, like, we got to be better than them. And so, a lot of people are talking, too. Scott Lawrence is the current interim head coach of USA Rugby. He's a domestic guy. He's an American. Sign him up. Uh, A lot of people are saying, hey, it's time to remove the interim tag off of his name. Nichols, I know you've brought it up before. Like, It'd be cool to get someone with a lot of international experience to come into the United States, but we've seen that over and over. Is it time that Scott Lawrence is just the head coach, no more interim? Well, at the risk of outing myself as just a pundit, you know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of just fodder for – like a contrarian view of bringing someone in. But mm-hmm. I mean, the guy fucker's got the job and they're winning. So right. I don't understand what else he needs to do. Right. It seems like right. the, the team's behind him. That's what old Nady Bergie says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talked to him recently. He messaged you back from, <laughs> but no, like, like you said, like you don't even have to like be watching it that closely. You see a result like that. They're playing for him mm-hmm. and he's using, new players he's he's getting young people involved uh he's mixed up the lineup and they're getting results and from what i've heard from people he cares about the game say, that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. he cares yeah. like come on. it's not a paycheck it's not to boost his stats to be like bah, i need to rebuild this tier two nation so i can go back to my home country you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's literally this is my home and i want to be a tier one like i don't know i i think it'd be cool to see him get that also on top of that uh, USA Rugby is looking for a new CEO. Mr. Gray. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I announced. Like, they're looking for. Yeah, I'm already talking. Phil, no, I'm saying, like, you, Mr. Gray, you could be the new CEO. No. Nope. Who would. <laughs> we need to get someone. Adam Falk, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be cool, he actually. Could, well, no, he could nominate you. He probably knows the most people. No, okay, hold on. Time out. Barstool Rugby asked this past weekend, like, hey. Who should we know in the rugby community? And I and I sent a message and I said, Phil, tag me. You didn't even tag me for that. I was drunk. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made that whole conversation funny. <laughs> you might be drunk. It's the name of the I, I thought about it, but then I was like, 
Barstool Rugby? I don't know. Yeah, they're dorks. Yeah. <laughs> they're dorks. No. Get um, affiliated first. But no, uh, I think that's interesting too. Like, it reminds me of the Chicago Bears who constantly fire coaches and then draft quarterbacks who coaches don't like and and whatever. It's like, so we need to hire a new CEO. We have an interim head coach. Like, who's in charge here? You know what I mean? So that'll be really interesting, all kidding aside, like to follow, like, Who's going to be the CEO, and like, what direction do they want to take the United States? Mark Cuban. So I talked. I talk a lot about during the Let's World Cup Mark. about Australia and how they're were pretty dreadful in mm. the World Cup. Not to bring up a whole another tangent, but they had Eddie Jones as their as their coach, mm-hmm. and so he basically anyway he picked a side not a lot of people liked. He quit, and then they ousted the head of Australia Rugby. And it and so Australia rugby is in the same position basically that USA rugby's in where mm. they don't have a CEO and they don't have a head coach and they're like it's like an abomination in world rugby. And yeah. USA rugby's in the same boat and it like it's it's not newsworthy. Yeah. I feel like our situation's though like I don't wanna necessarily say worse, but it's kinda worse. Like, I mean, between not making the World Cup and like just not I mean like technically having an interim coach for you know a while now and not really making a decision on you know who you know the primary coach should be kind of thing and yeah they now need a new ceo like i feel like we're like almost slightly worse off if that makes sense no i i'm not saying i disagree or that i agree i, I guess i'm saying that they're like parallel yeah so like what rugby australia and what usa rugby are doing they're in the exact same boat but rugby australia gets a lot more media attention yeah being out tier one team and yeah so their fall from grace is a lot farther than ours is and so what i guess what i'm saying is it'll be interesting to see because i imagine that the response from rugby australia will be swifter Mm. and more public than the united states so it could be a decent case study to watch if nothing else just for entertainment if not Mm. for like well, to compare, kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, take notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and just like any other team, I think USA had, you know, like we've talked about how they're shuffling the lineups has been different, like you were saying. Yeah. And I think some of that's from injury. Some of that's we have a bigger pool. They arguably have a bigger pool than they ever have because of the MLR teams because there's more talent out there to pick from. But, like, a guy who used to be the captain, uh, A.J. McGinty, Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fly off Irish guy, Irish but he's guy? Yeah. yeah, but he plays for Bristol. He got hurt for playing for Bristol, and that's why he hasn't been playing for USA. Mm-hmm. And just ran. I've heard people talk about some random other, you know, veterans that aren't even showing up or going. So I feel like, yeah, Lawrence has held this team together through all of that, mm-hmm. and every team deals with that. There were even people talking on Reddit and stuff like Spain was missing players because they have they had a few normal starters that play in the French league, so they were staying in France and. Mm-hmm and whatnot all that jazz but you know that's that's where it is until we have a better hierarchy that can organize everything better that can develop players better you know have a bit we are finally getting a bigger pool to pick from but until we actually have consistency and we're not having to get foreign players to play for our national team yeah that's something i always think is crazy is how people always talk about how united states we don't develop nine and tens and people are almost always talking like 
So who are we going to recruit from another country to become a USA national mm-hmm. player at 9 and 10? Because if you're American, you just can't play 9 or 10. And I think that's kind of a, a really stupid mentality because, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we can. I just think we don't give our guys a chance. And, mm-hmm. and you know, same with coaches, same with just everybody. Like, give them a chance. And I don't know. I'd like to see it. And speaking of people not playing for our country for a while, coming back, moving from 15s to 7s big announcement Madison Hughes is coming back to 7s rugby Captain America Captain America he has been representing the United States in 7s over 50 times in the HSBC World Rugby 7 series he was the captain for the 2016 and 2020 Olympic Games he also was in the Rugby World Cup 7s 2018 and he helped the United States qualify for the Rugby World Cup in 15s in 2019. But in September of 20, let me see here. In September of 2021, he announced that he was stepping away from Rugby Sevens, but it was not a retirement. Mm. And now he has announced that he is back. He's going to be playing Sevens. Awesome to see Captain America come back because yeah. we've talked about it before. Looking at some of these sevens lineups, I'm like, I don't recognize a single name. Yeah. And and they're they're doing well. A lot of new guys. And so maybe we're gonna start seeing some of those names that we recognize coming back because, you know, the Olympics are coming back up here soon. Qualification for that. DuPont from France is going to miss the next six nations because he's gonna be playing for France sevens. So um yeah, cool to have Captain America back. Yeah. You got anything else on that, Phil? Um, well, so did they announce yet? Like, who's going to be? I mean, I'm assuming they probably haven't announced who's going to be cap, going to be the captain for the seventh team. Like, I wonder if he's going to take that. You know, Caleb Williams, Williams or is he? Yeah, he's because oh, he he's been on the team. He's probably the yeah. longest tenured guy right now, mm-hmm. or the most capped guy compared to everybody else on the roster. He's, uh-huh. I mean, he plays scrummy, doesn't he? He plays winger, but. I don't know. Seven I mean, he's really he's really fun to watch. He's, fast. he's a great runner. Yeah. Um, then moving into Major League Rugby, they had some news coming up here recently. They announced they're going to have three divisions this year. In the West, they're going to have Los Angeles Rugby, San Diego Legion, Seattle Sea Wolves, and Utah Warriors. Also, Los Angeles Rugby that is currently just a placeholder right now. They are going to come out with a name and and all that stuff later. We know Los Angeles has a franchise. We just don't know what their name is yet. In the Central, we have the Chicago Hounds, Dallas Jackals, Nola Gold, and Houston Sabercats. And in the East, we have the Toronto Arrows, New England Free Jacks, New York Ironworkers, Old Glory, and Miami Sharks. So four in the West, four in the Central, five in the East. Then how the format of the season will work. Each team plays every other team at least once. Each team plays every other team in their division twice, home and away. And then the West Central Division teams play one Central West Division team twice. They will have 16 games total. Teams will play eight home and eight away. Then with the playoffs. It's a long season. It, it yeah, is. Well, it's, it's really long. It's been like, yeah. It's like from March to July. Yeah. Wow. And so... Here's what's crazy. Yes. <laughs> there are 13 teams in the league. 
This year, eight teams will make the playoffs. Holy buckets. That's more than they've ever had. But I think the reason they're doing this is because there's hope for more expansion coming. Mm-hmm. And with this... Will there be buys in the, the first round? Well, I'm going to read that. Oh, okay. Shut up! <laughs> so, <laughs> no, because you have eight teams, okay. so there will be no buys. But the division winner for one of the leagues will face number eight. Division winner of the other one will face number seven. The division winner of another will face number six. And then the four and five wild cards will make it in. So division winners will face the worst teams. And then, yeah, eight teams make the playoffs, which is going to be pretty cool. Rumor is that who was it that missed the playoffs last year that was really good? Um it was Utah, I'm pretty sure. It might have been. And yeah. they just missed out because of like some really close points. And I think they're like, We want to make sure a lot of teams get in, so like yeah. it's better rugby at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people when this popped up were like, All right, you're announcing the league format, but Los Angeles still doesn't have a team name. Uh, a couple days ago was the one year anniversary of Chicago getting their name and their thing. So I mean we're not that far off track. I mean, yeah. they still have time. Dude, I almost guarantee as soon as we drop this episode, they'll come out with the name. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I would love that, man. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it would just be on par, though, for, like, most news <laughs> that we do. It's just like, uh, of course. We're never breaking anything. Yeah. We're, really broken. Yeah. <laughs> we're always the last ones to, to say it. Also, uh, really cool, Iowa guy, Mason Cook. Those Cooks. But Mason Cook. Rock. He went to Dartmouth. He's from Iowa City. He's played in the Iowa <laughs> Iowa High School League. Oh, wow. uh, then he went to Dartmouth. That's then, where uh, Madison Hughes went. Yep. And then he got drafted by the Gilgronies, played for them. That team folded, went to Chicago. Now he signed a contract with the New England Free Jacks. So congrats right. to him. Awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. We should get him on sometime. Yeah. Then, Probably not anymore after you fold. Yeah, never mind. I'll cut that part out, man. <laughs> no, That's just, fine. It's, it's fine. You should be fucking get over it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, whatever. As long as you don't have them in studio, I guess. <laughs> then, the Chicago Hounds had an academy team. This was pretty cool. Yeah. Guy that has played in the Iowa senior side for a while, played for the University of Iowa, uh, played for the Iowa City Ducks. Played against him. He played with the Wombats last spring in Chicago when we played against Fox Valley. Um, Nick May. Yeah. He has been playing with the Southside Irish. He played with the Chicago Hounds Academy team against NOLA, and the Hounds won 40-12. to So really cool to see him get an opportunity to play against some guys that are on the cusp of making uh, an MLR roster, which means he's on the cusp of making an MLR roster. So yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, say hopefully we see him in a like MLR regular season match. That'd be so cool. Oh yeah, and that's what's cool too. Like we're seeing more and more Iowa guys getting into these academies and and working their way up. Um, and then also too, the Miami Sharks announced Tui Osborne as an assistant coach. He is the head coach of St. Bonaventure, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Shout out to him. And then we also have women's rugby. The Premiership Women's Rugby is going to be on the Rugby Network. So alongside MLR and Premiership, Mm -hmm. Women's Premiership is now on the Rugby Network. Also, Division I NCAA CRAA Rugby, like Cal and 
yeah. Army, yep. Navy, Arkansas State, w- <clears throat> Cal Poly. All these teams, they are also going to be on TRN, the rugby network. So they're adding more and more stuff. So I feel like you pay for that um, plus or whatever. They're trying to make it worth it. So that's pretty cool. TRN. The rugby so network. I'm sorry. You Those teams you just said, mm-hmm. they'll be past the paywall? I don't know. Because I just watched... Uh... Oh, fuck. Some... Oh, oh fuck. Life, I watched that. Life, Life played somebody, mm. maybe? I saw a game on that on yeah. the rugby network. So, uh, I mean... Just last week or a week ago. <coughs> two weeks ago. I wonder if the college ones are free, but, like, the pro right, leagues right. from England are probably paid. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... They're adding more and more stuff because when they first started, it was like MLR only. Yeah. Right. And then a couple of college things, and they're just adding more to their catalog, their library. Um, it's and good. Just to, so the MLR games are all still free? Yes. Just to be annoying. And yes. Google yes. <laughs> and, yeah, when the MLR season comes up, we're going to pick teams and, yeah. like, really try to follow MLR. We've tried to do that in the past, but now that there's four of us, we're going to try to get more in-depth with MLR and the fact that there's more Iowa ties and Midwest mm-hmm. ties. Like, we want to really connect with that because also we have a, a cool interview next week coming up. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, I say? got another guy that's been playing for the Chicago Hounds Academy team. What? Yeah. yeah. And I was sent. Oh, you've been playing for the Chicago Hounds? An Iowa Central guy that has. Uh, We've brought his name up a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, that'll be cool. Okay. Also, too. Also, too, a guy from you and I. So we have two interviews next week. What? Yeah. In a few days, actually. Happy holidays. Yeah. Right? So. I'm very thankful for that, Mr. Gray. Yeah. And then also uh, the premiership that's going on on the Rugby Network. We're going to pick teams here. Yeah, we're only like. Is it halfway through? Quarter, quarter, third of the way through the season. So yeah. Okay, we don't have to. But no, we can do it. I'm, I'm fully. He was, he wasn't being sarcastic. There was no sarcasm. Well, Phil, Phil's out because he's like, I'm not gonna watch English rugby. Yeah. Hell with them. Hell with them. I agree to that part, but. Well, Ryan. Frank, you want in? Yeah. And pick a team. Ooh. I get to go first. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of pressure. You agreed to it. <laughs> we already joke picked teams already. Yeah, well, but <coughs> excuse the teams me. that we joke picked are one and two. So well, I, here's the thing: like, I wasn't even like joking because one of my favorite teams to follow has the same name, but they're in Super Rugby, the Sharks, mm, down mm. in Durban, South Africa. Yeah. Because Tendai Matarawara, the beast, that uh, prop, yeah. he played for them. So I started watching them. They have a fly half Kerwin Bosch that was really fun to watch as well. Like they had a lot of really good South African players that played for that Sharks team. And then on Jonah Lemieux Rugby Challenge three, I would play as them um, because they're just Lama? yeah, Lama. yeah. Did I say it wrong. It's yeah, fine. I was just making sure I was talking. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The, like, like the greatest, the greatest yeah. rugby yeah. player of all time. Mm-hmm. I just never heard his name out loud. It's no. Lamu. Yeah. Lamu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm gonna Sorry. pick the Saracens. Okay, Perfect. then I'll and I'll pick the sharks. And I get that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Phil gets to sit out. Phil, you can have the Newcastle Falcons because they fucking suck. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I guess. Go Falcons, Falcon Phil. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. There's a lot of good teams here. <coughs> I can talk to you about them. Yeah. Even though the sharks that I'm talking about have nothing to do with the sales sharks. How do you, how do you watch? I'm not calling you. I'm just curious. Do you just follow clips on YouTube or? Now I do. I'm trying to remember. I used to watch the sharks when I taught at Greenwood. 2015, 2016 would have been around the time I was really watching the sharks. Um, the rugby channel. Okay. It was called the Rugby Channel, and it's a defunct rugby streaming service. That's how I used to watch Super Rugby. And then ESPN Plus. ESPN mm. Plus had a ton of Super Rugby. Okay. And I think it's harder to find Super Rugby now. I'm going to bite if... the bullet. I'm going to get the Rugby Network. So yeah. Give us all the password? Yep. Or at least me. Yep. I'm going to go for the Saracens. Big fan. You know what Saracens means? You want the history of that? No, yeah. no one cares. Yeah, no, I want to know because it's, like oh. it's got the crescent moon and the star. I've always been It's what curious. European people in the Middle Ages called anyone that was Muslim. Like the invaders were Saracens. Oh. So it was a, huh. yeah, like, a, hmm. you know, what's that thing called they did? I can't think of it. The Crusades? The Crusades, <laughs> yeah. So the Crusaders and Saracens. The, Muslims, the Saracens the invading army so like the new zealand crusaders the super league team the crusaders, oh my gosh if they played the yeah saracens wow yeah they probably have some un-pc names don't they like, yeah yeah well, wasps like yeah. any sports team really that's know. true they have a chiefs too i think yeah. that's like high chiefs like like celtic people mm. mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. maybe we should do a deep dive into that next week Sure. The most racist uh, <laughs> <laughs> world rugby clubs. Well, anyone that's not affiliated with rugby, when you tell them, oh, I got this team called the All Blacks, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah try and confused. When, when I was, like, watching World Cup or putting World Cup rugby on in a Des Moines public middle school uh-huh. with a lot of kids that know nothing about rugby, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to watch these guys. Oh, yeah, they play for the All Blacks. The what? You can't say that. I'm like, oh, Tyson my goodness. Tweet. Almost was accosted at a bar once because an all black jersey on. He told me, "Wow, that was aggressive." Some guy just asked him Accost. aggressively, "What?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also have to tell you that the Sharks are not a part of the Super League anymore. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. They're they're in this. Uh, okay. So you knew that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Said it. Yeah, but, no, and that's why too. Like I, because I didn't think not, they were, and I quadruple checked. Because yeah, they had some realignment, and mm-hmm. I think they're in a league now where. South Africa is in a weird spot there. I think mm-hmm. like they do a lot of URL stuff, but yeah, because they have some teams that like because they were trying to get Argentina involved into some stuff, and, and it they just... have the Jaguars. You mm-hmm. know what's crazy? I thought about this. I don't know if it's Jaguars. They yeah. don't say. I don't know what. Oh look at me. I, I always call it Jaguars. Yeah. Well, but I mean they speak different dialect. They yep. sound different. I don't know. They fuck talk me. funny. Fuck All me right. for trying. Yeah. Fuck you. But uh, right. so. I was going to bring this up during the World Cup. Argentina mm-hmm. lost their Super League team, mm-hmm. the Jaguars, wherever the fuck they are, these tiger-looking things. <laughs> Fiji Spots. gained a Super League team mm-hmm. and drew a Fiji. Argentina, well, until the very end, anyway, <coughs> going into the World Cup, their stock was going down and Fiji's was going up. So it was like the trend was having a Super League team made your country yeah. better but, well and i think that's, that's why a point i meant to make like weeks ago and i and, never had and honestly i think that's why japan had that big upset in the world cup 2019 and then they got a super league rugby team around that time <gasps> and then they couldn't keep it right. and then the team's gone downhill like i really do think having a super rugby league team i mean it's like that's why i think like usa 
is in this weird spot with the MLR where they're like, we want Major League Rugby because it'll make our national team better. And then the owners in MLR are like, well, we're just trying to make money. Well, and then it's like, we want the MLR to house in-country talent, Mm -hmm. but then we want to create a product to compete with other countries. Mm. Right. So then we're like, now we're in a circle. Yeah, because if you don't bring in higher-level talent... Mm -hmm. Like, how are you developing that? Yeah, it's a whole chicken so and egg thing. So then I can thing. see why Maya Nanu coming in at 41 years old probably mm-hmm. isn't helping anything, but just having homegrown talent. Yeah. with Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a... Chicken how, and the egg. How late, are we staying the night here? We're just going to talk about this all night? Mm, yeah, we should, we could probably wrap it up. <laughs> no, I'm, in, we, I'm into it. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Me neither. I mean, I do, but who gives a fuck? It's mm. Thanksgiving week. No one's really working. Right. Phil, I mean, that Yeah. <laughs> Phil, what's on the docket for tomorrow? Shit today. Plenty of stuff, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. Dang. Well, I'll probably like upload this tomorrow morning. That's about all I got. You need help? You need to rub your shoulders, your feet? Oh yeah, you aren't working either. <laughs> Lazy fucking bum. Yeah, buddy. Now I do. <coughs> well, the kids are on break. Oh, I am. I have a lot of stuff to do tomorrow, actually. So let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Well, you well can leave. <laughs> like I said, we got a couple of cool interviews coming up next week, and again, coaching clinic. Uh, with Ant Frine and Iowa State Rugby, click the link. Uh, we're going to share links. We'll share the GoFundMe link for you and I. Um, support, 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 support. I, I really do firmly believe there's a lot of cool things happening in rugby in Iowa, and it's because of our community and because people give a shit and people are, are caring more and more every single like week. So uh, keep supporting it. So you have your Sharks. Yeah. I'm Bath. Yeah. You're Saracens. Phil, you should, you're just going to be Lester whether you care or not. Okay. They're, they're, they're only that low because they didn't have any of their World Cup guys come back yet. They've got the number one. They've got the highest played player in the world. So That is true. Yeah. They do. So. Well, yeah. Oh, Let's get him a Lester shirt for Christmas. Okay. Oh, sick. The South African Rugby Tens Championships going on right now. How you doing? <laughs> Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Good, you. Fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs. Yeah, we're not going to talk about TENS tournament. Oh, Shut up. God. This episode is brought to you by Rotor Epoxy, the premier epoxy company in Iowa. You need your floors looking good. You need to redo the entire shop, the locker room floor, the fire station, the man cave. Those are the guys to call. There's an infinite amount of floors that you would possibly mess with here. So whatever you need done, they can do some wicked ass designs for you. Whatever you got going on, just get it done. Get a hold of them. Infinite designs. 100% satisfaction. Rotor Epoxy. Find them online now.